Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So glad you found us. I want to give a special welcome to you if this is your first time and say thanks for checking us out. And we certainly hope it's not your last time. We invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know if there's something we can be praying for with you or if you have a question that we could answer. But again, we're so glad you found us. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are glad that you found time to be with us today. It is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, which means it's uh, actually the season of Advent's coming up just next Sunday, which is like, man, where did the year go? And so as we think about that, a couple things we're excited about. We are wrapping up today the uh, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, I don't know if you can see behind me, but there's uh, eight boxes back there on the piano. And this is the ninth one. And I know there's a few more coming in and just grateful for the investment that many have made to bless people that we'll never meet. And what a cool thing that is and the beauty of that. It was so much fun to watch the boxes leave two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, some appeared, and then through the course of the week, it was fun to watch people bring them into the building. I want to share that on Wednesday, we will be celebrating Thanksgiving here in Linden Road. It will be the last night of an eight-day uh, celebration of just giving thanks to God uh, through the Godsfield-Mansfield uh, connection. Uh, so many cool things have happened this week. and. Just a way for us to gather as God's people in different houses of worship across Mansfield to celebrate together all that God has done. And then I also want to share last week, it was bittersweet, uh, Joanne Marshall, who has been a longtime member of Linden Road, moved to her uh, new home in uh, outside of Columbus in Pickerington. And we're sad to miss her go, but I just want to give tribute to what an amazing woman she is and the life that she shared with so many. Uh, she was a, a deacon here for many years at Linden Road. She was our deacon, Melinda and mine. I was blessed by just her kindness uh, for anniversaries and birthdays and just well wishes through the course of our tenure here. So grateful for her faithfulness. And we just pray in this season that as she moves to a new chapter to be closer to her daughters and grandchildren, that God will bless her. We gathered together in the church last week to celebrate her at the end of the service and we prayed over her and to send her off with God's encouragement. And just grateful for the life that she's lived and grateful for her life of faithfulness. Just one more thing at this time of thanksgiving to give thanks to God for. As we come to this week of worship, of being thankful for all things, let's begin. Resilient, right? It's an interesting title. It's a word that we all want to be, right? A statement of we want to be people that are resilient. And I love the tease of the story of the camels. 
Because like the camels, we as human beings have a similar kind of capacity that we rally in the face of life, that we run from one sometimes calamity to the next, and we're under duress, and yet we're able to do it because of how God's wired us, and we rally and we rally, and then unfortunately there's one day where we discover there's nothing left, and where our soul simply says, I'm done, and I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then we collapse into a sense of discouragement and depression, or maybe even just a blankness of soul. And so as we think about having left this last series of loving God and loving uh, people, and now moving into next week Advent and into a new year, it just seems only appropriate. Uh, I've been working through a book by a, a mentor of mine. I've actually spent some time with him in the mountains of Colorado, John Eldridge, and his new book called Resilient, which is what I'm borrowing to use for this particular message today. Uh, because I think this hour we're living in, especially after we just came through the election, right? And I think some of my friends thought, well, that was going to solve everything. Where there was going to be a red wave, and that was going to solve uh, all of our dilemmas. And then it just, no, it didn't. In fact, it's probably created other issues that we didn't expect. Uh, a divided Senate, a divided House, in the sense that there may be a Republican majority by one, but that's not a, a mandate. That's saying that we have some things to work together on as people, as uh, Americans, as uh, U.S. citizens. But what I want to say in a larger sense is that everything about the time in which we're living is pushing our souls to a point that's, I'm not sure, healthy. And that's why the things we've talked about over these many months of trying to lean into an understanding of how do we do life right now in this current time. We entered into the global pandemic in February of uh, 2020, first week of March when the world locked down. Uh, COVID-19 changed everything for us. And it, it, we were already worn out before we even got there because of just the way our lives were working. Right now, the world is in a state of denial about the actual cost of what these hard years have been. And we know that it's not over. It's just morphed into a different understanding. Uh, we know that you know, COVID-19 is not what it was, but we know there are variants and all that. And, and yet, for all of us, me included, I want to get past it all. And so we tend to uh, try to comfort ourselves with some sense that life is going to be different and the relief has come, that we're in recovery. But the reality is, and that's why I've been talking about these things in various ways over this last six months, is that we, we haven't yet paid the psychological bill for what we've been through. And so what I want to try to offer through uh, what I've been encouraged through John Eldridge's writings is a sense of how do we become resilient? And as we think about getting ready to lean into Thanksgiving holiday and then Christmas and then New Year's and all that's involved with that is we spend time with family and friends and with people we like and people we maybe don't like so much and people we really don't want to be around is that uh, we need to find a rhythm in our life. And so that's what I want to offer today. You would never tell a survivor of abuse that the trauma was over now that because just the abuse had stopped. And that's the mindset, I think, that has played on all of us is this denial of the trauma that we've been through. And so what I want to encourage us in this time of, of Thanksgiving is to be kinder to ourselves, to be kinder to our souls in our sort of compromised position. We are, are now facing 
some of the trials that Jesus talked about. That's why we spent some time talking about the end times, the book of Revelation specifically. But even Jesus, as he warned us about the coming of the end of the age, he reminded us that it was going to be complicated and it was going to be difficult. Now, the truth is, living in these kind of extraordinary times, I mean, this week was amazing, wasn't it? If you saw it Wednesday morning when the uh, Artemis One rocket went up and headed around the moon today and coming back and actually had the privilege of hosting a friend from Glenn Research in Cleveland, uh, David DeFelice, who talked about just all the amazing things that are coming. And so there's lots of, he talked about all the amazing things that are coming in our space travels and transportation and just all the technology is provided. Yet at the same time, I think that we need to realize that this time is very demanding. And as we think about living in these days, we need to encourage our hearts and we need to prepare ourselves. And so again, as we begin the season of Advent, once again, of preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus, the coming of Emmanuel and what that means for us. So I want us to take some time here today to look at the strength of our soul and understand what it is that God is doing in and through us. Now, I wanna say for sure, and I hope you hear this every time I preach, is that there is hope. There is a great hope, and that hope is because of Jesus. And yet I also want to say that Jesus knew that the day was going to come when our humanity would face hard times, when collectively we as human beings deal some, with some difficulties. And that especially as we enter the end of the age, of the coming of the end of time, is that it's going to accelerate. And the truth is that Jesus gave us some real wise counsel on how we are supposed to live through those trials. And I think right now would be a good time as we begin uh, with Thanksgiving to give thanks for all that God's blessed us with, to lean into a season of preparation for Advent, to pay attention to what Jesus said. Jesus is the creator and the redeemer of our humanity, and he has given us a path towards finding recovery and finding resilience. And we would be foolish to ignore it or to push it off, to say, well, we'll deal with it at some other time. And to be honest, whatever you believe about the end times, uh, I think we can all agree, whatever you believe about the end of time, when it's coming, I think we all can agree that having greater resilience of heart and soul would be a really good thing to take hold of. Now, I want to be honest, I don't think that this time we're living in, we don't need any more inspiration, we don't need any uh, cute stories. We need a survival guide. We need the supernatural resilience that's provided in Jesus Christ to be reminded that it's always available from him, that we have to, to simply take a hold of it. Now, it's interesting, John Eldridge calls it the primal drive for life. I like that sort of term because it means it's sort of basic and it's at the very foundation, it's primal. That God has given each of us a human soul and that human soul has a capacity and a drive for life, to make life the best that it can be. And this is as fundamental to you as it is to your own survival. And the epicenter of our being is the deep longing to aspire for things that bring us life to be able to plan for those things, to take hold of them and to enjoy them and to start to cycle over as we aspire to new things. That's basically the essential craving for life given to us by God. Again, John calls this the primal drive for life. Now, think about the uh, great story out of the, the Old Testament of the exodus of God's people. As they left Israel, 
and their journey uh, through the Sinai Desert. It is one of the greatest survival stories of all time. You think about it, more than two million people wandering through a land that was of sand and barren rock, and they were homeless, and they were looking for the land of abundance, the promised land. It was a place they could call home. And to be sure, there was no real sources of food in that desert. Water was about as scarce as it is on the surface of the moon. The prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 2, verse 6, a barren wilderness of land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death where no one lives or even travels. Now, I want us to see that this isn't just simply a moment in ancient Jewish history that we look at. It's actually something that's recorded for us as one of the greatest analogies of the human experience, of our journey from bondage to freedom, from barrenness to the promised land. Now, to be truthful too, I think it is the precursor to our journey of salvation from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. It is in this story of the primal drive for life that John talks about. The question is asked, where will we take our thirst? Well, that's the test. That's the choice, if you will. It's always been that and it always will be. You see, this primal drive for life is so compelling for them, it, it caused thousands of the rescued slaves to mount a rebellion to go back to bondage in Egypt because they just wanted their familiar ways back. It was sobering. Life was much easier under Pharaoh. And for us in modern times, I think those are the things that we get caught up in. Again, the prophet Jeremiah says this, The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. You see what the, the prophet is saying here, and it's the alarm that is, is, he's ringing loud and clear, is that our longing for life to be good again will be a, a battleground for our heart. That's where understanding who we are as God's people is where it takes place. And to be honest, how we shepherd that, how we shepherd this longing that we have, if you can even shepherd it at all, will determine how things happen in this life and in the life to come. And this is the encouragement from Scripture is that we must shepherd our hearts. We must shepherd our thirst back to the source of life that comes from Jesus Christ only. And again, this idea of primal love. So what is primal love? Well, it's that assurance of abundance that every child gets from its mother. It's this idea that we, it may be too cerebral or it may be like learning to read, that there's this assurance of abundance that we will have what we need. To be honest, before we even learn speech, we are forming our deepest beliefs about the world and our place in it through our interactions with our mothers. That's where we learn this idea of primal love. We learn about uh, the basic primal nourishment, right? When a child is nursing, it gets to drink its fill, assuring its soul uh, that, that its needs matter and that its needs will be met and that they will be satisfied and that most of all they will have enough. So this idea of resilience is bestowed upon us. It comes to us by being adored and cared for and by our experiencing our deep hunger being satisfied with abundance, physically, emotionally, soulfully, spiritually, God designed us that we would receive resilience and immunity through our attachment with our mothers. 
At least that was the original intent. I want to share a story about a man by the name of Dallas Willard. I've talked about him before in the series on the ruthless elimination of hurry. He was the one that those words came from in speaking to his mentee, John Ortberg, as he became pastor of a large church in the Midwest. Uh, he called Dallas to say, what must I do? And, and basically Dallas said, uh, you just have to eliminate hurry from your life. And I'd reference you back to that sermon series as one, again, in this season to talk about resilience. But Dallas was only two and a half years old when his mother passed away. It, the year was 1938. His mother and father, before he had been born, had gone bankrupt. It was because of the Great Depression. They lost everything. They lost the family business. And it's interesting, uh, Dallas grew up in a hard rural life. Dallas's mother, Mamie, suffered an injury when she was jumping from a hay wagon. And when she went in for surgery, the surgeon botched it and she never recovered from it. Now, that didn't limit Mamie to be mom. She wrote her children poems from the hospital, which is just another beautiful picture of how important a mother is to what she offers to her children. But the reality is she would never return home. And to be honest, Dallas says in several books that he's written, one, The Divine Conspiracy, in losing his mom, said it was incomprehensible. To his own mind, a little boy of three. And it was interesting that during the funeral, the little boy actually tried to climb into his mother's casket because he just didn't understand. So you have this little boy who has lost his mother before the age of three, the man who goes on to become what I would argue would be one of the most brilliant voices for Christianity in this current time. It was at the end of his life that he learned what he says is his most important lesson, this idea that salvation is something new, the soul's loving bond to our loving God. And so what I mean by that is that losing a mother or never having a mother or living with a mother who in many ways could not offer the mothering we need as human beings is something that really can rob life. And I know when we talk about scripture, we know a little bit, a great bit actually, about our Heavenly Father. But in human development, it's mothers that come first before fathers. It's the bond that a mother de develops with its child. It's this amazing new world of love that opens up to us as human beings. We then learn that God offers to mother us too that he comes and he heals our souls in these places where we're broken. That as we look at scripture, God yearns to bring us this assurance of abundance. Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. So as we've said over the last many weeks, we need to be reminded that God loves you that he loves you more tenderly and more irrevocably than the best of all mothers. And if this is new terrain for you, if this is a new concept for you, we need to be reminded and be remembering that God created this beautiful thing called motherhood. He created mothering and he created the love that a mother has for her child. And that each of us have this mother need that's in our human soul. But we need to be also reminded that mothering ultimately comes from God as the source. So what I want to say today, for our soul to be truly saved, for us to come home, our soul needs the loving attachment that mother love first brings to us, that it lays out to us. Just as we move from our earthly fathers to our homecoming with our true father in heaven, so we also need to come home to the, 
the mother love of God, regardless of what we've learned about our earthly mothers. So let's talk about what does that look like? What does it mean to embrace this idea of resilience? Trauma is a thing that has become more and more prevalent in our world. And one of the things we've learned about trauma, that if we're going to deal with the trauma in our lives and the things we've experienced, is that we have to name it. And then as we do that, we can then see what effects it, it has had upon us in our being. And so as we think about, as we've turned through a number of turns here over the last couple of years, moving from the year of 2020 through 2021 and now into 2022, and here we are getting ready to make goals for another new year, I think each year, over the last three years in particular, there was a lot of anticipation at uh, what was going to take place in the new year. And I, I think I heard it more than once that I just want this year to be over. Uh, and then we find out that the, this next year was, didn't look much different than the year that it has just gone by. So for many of us, we still cling to the sense of optimism. Well, it will get better. Now, there's been a lot of losses that, uh, and a lot of heartbreak that have come to us. And we've moved through those to some degree and we've tried to attend to them. But here's one of the truths about trauma is that you can't deal with trauma without taking some time and grieving it. And that's why this crazy rush to grab all the joy we can find and just to deny that things are just gonna get better uh, and back to normal, they're, they're really cruel. They're cruel to who we are as human beings. And really what it's all about is it's an attempt by all of us just to sweep it all under the rug and, and, and let the problem just go away. But the problem is when we uh, do that, we also sweep our soul underneath the rug, and that's not a good thing to do. So what I want to just lean into here is this idea of resilience. And this is the idea of why reading Scripture is so important, to be reminded of what God is doing and has done and ha continues to do to work in through his people that it's the reading of scripture that builds a resilience because scripture for us is living and it's a breathing text in which we can encounter the living God. And then also we can get a healthy perspective on the world, as I said last week, in thinking about just the long reach of love, the eternal nature of love, to be reminded that this world we live in is not the world that God designed for us that we are many times looking into a mirror that dimly reflects what God would have for us. And so that's why scripture study is so important. We need to be reminded in our mind, in our, for our mental health, that each day Jesus is Lord of all. That he is, as Peterson says in the message version of Ephesians 1, running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. Man. That is a great thing to understand. And if you want some encouragement this week, I'd ask you to dig out the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament and read chapter 40 and read it every day for the next week and see what that does for your soul. So if we fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, what is lovely and admirable, it's those things that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that we think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then we think about things that are beautiful and things that will remind us of the goodness of God. That's why we celebrate Thanksgiving, is to take a moment and be grateful for what God has given us. 
And then maybe even it's even being thankful for a place that you love, or maybe it's a sweet memory, or maybe it's something that you experience in nature, something that brings a smile to your face as you think about it. So in this season, as we lean into all the commercialism of Christmas and all that is coming just around the corner, we know that the world continues to turn further and further from God. And for many of us, if we're not careful, we'll be tempted to surrender our core convictions about who we are and whose we are. And that's a problem. And the reality is that temptation will come over our emotions, over our feelings, and it will feel as sometimes as though God isn't listening. Or it may even feel like he isn't coming through. We need to be very careful that we do not let those emotions undermine our faith in who God is. We start with God, and then we center our life on him, and then we work outward from there. You see, our spiritual being, our spirituality moves from something as part of our life to the epicenter of our life, from which all other things flow and to which all other plans yield. So my encouragement this Thanksgiving and this season of Advent is that you would become the most converted person your family and friends have ever known that you can rearrange your days in such a way that you can center your life around who Jesus is and who you are in your life in God, that you can draw upon his strength for our resilience as his people. Because to be honest, it's the only way we're gonna make it. God's resilience is not gonna fail us. That great hymn, great is his faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. It's one of those things that we need to operate from. Or even, or even the more recent hymn called Same God. that reminds us that the same God that moved in the Old Testament is the same God that moves in the New Testament and that he is there for us. And that is truthfully the only way that we're going to make it through what life is giving us right now, is that his resilience will not fail us. And that there is a day coming when we'll be laughing and singing with hearts that have been healed and restored, where we get to walk with Jesus in a completely healed world. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis where he says, God made us, invented us as a man, invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel for our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. So if we want to find resilience. We need to hang on to that. And so let me offer this prayer on this week of Thanksgiving from Ephesians chapter 3. Hear these words. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Jesus Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen.